every time you get a chance to witness this scene, you feel lucky. Nothing like it. Man, this is what it's all about. This is what college football is all about. I've, I've said this is the best scene in the country. Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly, where we can finally enjoy another glorious victory week after three painful losses in a row. And Davey, it was the Jahan Dotson show against Maryland, where he went for a Penn State record, 242 receiving yards on 11 catches, three touchdowns, and most importantly, zero goose egg drops on the day. Yeah, when we needed him most, he was there in the I think it was the fourth quarter when he broke that game open or or got us in a much better spot with it. I think it was an 86-yard touchdown catch. And yeah. I was just sitting there thinking, imagine, imagine if we if he didn't come back this year, how fucked this team would have been oh, with how God. electric he's been. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing, or I, I was seeing the other day, I think it was this morning actually, Mel Kuyper releasing his big board for this upcoming draft. And I think he's got Jahan at number 15, uh, number two receiver behind Drake London from USC. So just that to be for the, the way that he, his career has kind of unfolded and transpired at Penn state from when he first started to now he's truly one of, if not the most electric receiver in college football and just a blessing to have him down in that blue and white cell for a few more games. Yeah. And I think I saw an interview where he was talking about like how he this season felt like his coming like coming of age almost he's behind you mentioned kj handler Jawan johnson as like kind of his mentors and he felt like this year was his year to show off all the skills and it's coming to fruition as he's going to be a very very high draft pick yeah Um, it's a great move on him for coming back and kind of learn from those older guys waiting for your dues kind of like alabama does and then when it Mm -hmm. comes to time you just explore yeah, career career season too. So his name will forever be etched and remembered in those record books too. Oh, um, for sure, for sure. From a game in game or a single game record standpoint, and then just career career record. But awesome, awesome to see. I'm still calling it right now. Fred Blint, Blitnikoff winner. He's gonna yeah, win. we did have did have another semifinalist announce. Uh, Jordan Stout officially a semifinalist for the of, Ray Guy. Of course, of course. So another knit up for. For a piece of hardware so uh last thing on the maryland game we're gonna do our one name all game is jordan stout perhaps your one name all game for this one <laughs> he is not he's had a terrific okay. season but uh fair, for fair. this game i'm gonna go you have the obvious but i'm gonna go with brandon smith who over the Great course pick. of the last last few weeks has just been off the charts so really has. Uh, this past week against Maryland, he had nine tackles, two and a half for a loss, two pass breakups all over the field, making plays uh, for the year. He's got eight and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks, four pass breakups, 
forced fumble and a couple QB hits. Mm-hmm. So he's really come on, uh, really showing that five-star rating that he had earned before coming aboard here to Penn State. Another one who's climbing up draft charts. Yeah. And we could very well be looking at his spot right now as a board to fill next year, just at he, the way things are shaking out. So. Yeah, because he plays that will that offside will linebacker position so well. Not yeah, only does he get six stops um, against Maryland last week, which has led the team unreal. Second was Jaquan, three. So not only can he come up and defend the, the pass when he like recognizes a screen or a wide receiver screen, he, against Maryland, he was targeted four times, but up four receptions, but for only 38 yards, and he had a pass breakup. So his yeah. coverage skills are starting to round into form, and I yeah. think that – yeah, that's what NFL teams really covet is the coverage skills to go along with your tackling ability and ability to recognize plays. So, yeah, he's having a career year, and I I just hope he comes back for one more. But I know he might be uh, too high <laughs> on the draft boards. <laughs> Who you so got for your uh, one name all game? So for me, I'm going with the man, the myth, the legend, Jahan Dotson. Ooh, easy. So listen to these numbers, his numbers in against Ohio State and Maryland. Um, again, amongst all wide receivers and all of college football. So this is where John Dotson ranks. He has 22 receptions over the past two weeks, tied for first in all of college football. 369 yard receiving yards, second in all of college football. Four total touchdowns tie for first in all of college football. He had the three receiving against Maryland, the one rushing against Ohio State. 14 first downs, catches for first downs, third in all of college football. And he's the only wide receiver with, with 30 plus targets during those two weeks and zero drops, which is the most impressive thing that he's just catching everything, giving Clifford a very secure security blanket um <laughs> but he really is elevating this offense to something that i don't think we would be seeing if he wasn't on the field mm-hmm. yeah definitely takes him to a whole other level and gonna be again just talking about brandon smith but that'll be another huge huge void to fill next year uh but we still got some football left this year so we'll worry about that when when time when the time comes yeah Jahan. i mean he's obviously gonna go high in the draft but his Void won't be as tough to fill because we have a couple, couple young receivers that I think will are going to step up next year in his absence. It won't be just like a one receiver show, you know what I mean? It'll be yeah, kind of mixed out. So coming up next, we are actually going to have our first ever guest on Whiteout Weekly, and we are going to throw him right into the fire with some good old fashioned 2000 2010. Penn State, Penn State trivia coming up next. And now with a very honorary special position, the first ever guest on Whiteout Weekly, we bring to you Reed Soldier Boy Kellum, who was there with me at the infamous wedding where Penn State lost in nine overtimes, was it? Yeah, it was nine. Brutal overtime. <laughs> Nine overtimes. He was there with me in the mud, in the trenches. So you know this dude's a real one. Penn State alumni. Welcome, Reed. How we feeling? 
Feeling good. Glad to be here. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, was saying, uh, I'll just spitball that Penn State football like nonstop at work and nobody listens. So here we are, <laughs> natural, natural transition into a little podcast on our favorite topic, but feeling good. Uh, Maryland native myself. So some family bragging rights. Uh, thank you, Jihad Dodson. You know, I think kind of a sleepy game, but a win's a win and defense held firm in the red zone as they seem to do every single weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's one thing we've been talking about. I think Dave, you actually have some stats on our red zone defense, how it's just been like fucking phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you look at them and kind of talk through them, it's like, holy shit, 34 red zone possessions on the year, uh, only given up 10 touchdowns of those 34. And 12 of the 34, the opponents come away with zero points, which is mind-blowing. I'm going to math and Mind-blowing, Ben, but don't break defense. So it's... (laughs) 33% touchdown rate? Pretty damn good. Not too shabby. Not too too shabby. shabby. Pretty damn good. So this week... Some big plays out of those uh, Lackawanna safeties, so... Oh, yeah, Lackawanna. Yeah. Dude, where... I mean... The Lackawanna connection is wild. Like, do they just breed, you know, all-American safeties and corners? <laughs> it is. It's awesome to watch Brisker and Brown. Like, they clearly vibe. They're phenomenal players, but I think there is something to be said for those mm-hmm. guys having a couple of years at Lackawanna together. Yeah, we might have to do a uh, investigative documentary into Lackawanna County where is Lackawanna I, I couldn't tell you the first thing I know it's in Pennsylvania somewhere um I have no idea if I had to guess yeah. I would say you just, you just like, throw a dart at the state of PA and that's where it is north, I'm gonna say like <laughs> northwest we'll put a graphic of where sounds right or like Scranton. I could see it being by like Scranton. Yeah. yeah we'll put the graphic up see wherever it is James we're Franklin wrong. knows where it is and he knows where to get them so so, big game, boys. Big game. What are they ranked? Michigan. Number seven? Number seven, Michigan? Number eight, Michigan? Number eight. Ahead of Michigan State in the college football playoff bowl. Our latest ranking that came out on Tuesday. So. I mean, I, <laughs> his rankings just the big absolutely make sense. Yeah. yeah. So, number eight, or, yeah, number eight. I think it's eight, yeah. Number Sorry. eight, yeah. That's the problem. at Michigan minus seven, but with those injury uncertainties, uh, I went to, I think I saw Penn State minus one and a half at one point. And now mm-hmm. I'm seeing plus one and a half, uh, plus one somewhere, but I think this is going to end up as big on in the end. Yeah. Um, did Dave, did you get the over-under? Uh, you know, I did not. I thought it was somewhere in the 50s. I could check like right now. Yeah, I think it's somewhere in the 50s as well. Oh, just low nope. 48 and a half. Yeah, so they're catching on to Penn State's stout defense. Um, mm-hmm. but going in, I mean, Michigan has the second scoring offense in the Big Ten, and it's all led by their rushing attack. 234.1 yards on the ground per game, led by a tandem of Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. However, 
Last week against Indiana, Michigan went through a flurry of injuries. Um, Blake Corum, who I just mentioned, suffered a lower leg injury and was seen in a walking boot. He's actually averaging six yards per carry this season with 11 total touchdowns. He's also third on the team in uh, receptions with 20. But um, after he was injured, he reportedly told Hassan Haskins, his running mate, that I'll be back soon. So his status is unclear for this week. So who knows? But Hassan Haskins has no problem filling in as that three down workhorse back. He went for 168 um, and a touchdown against Indiana. And um, he's, he's just a beast. He's between the tackles runner, grinding out those dirty yards. But Michigan loves to use the committee approach kind of keeping those fresh legs on the uh on the ground keeping the ground game moving and even their third string running back Donovan Edwards has been unavailable the past two weeks because of an undisclosed injury so as dominant as their ground game has been we might catch break here because of injuries and stuff so what are your thoughts on Haskins possibly being the only available back this week yeah I mean you never want to applaud or you know encourage injuries but we've had our fair share of them and sometimes unless, it's unless you're heavy. unless you're max mom unless you're, of, uh, unless you're that unless you're an iowa, iowa fans dude. yeah unless you're an iowa. <laughs> right, i stand corrected but sometimes in college football it's just about catching teams at the right time and yeah. you look at where auburn and wisconsin are now and us taking care of them early in the year and then you walk into Still a bit of a gauntlet here towards the end of the season where you got Michigan, you got Michigan State. But have a nice little play here where if Ohio State wins out and uh, the Lions win out, we could potentially still go to the Rose Bowl and have something to play for here. So, again, you don't want to – you never want to see injuries, but could work out in our favor here uh, where we catch a little bit of a break and don't have – Michigan doesn't have a plethora of RBs at their disposal to – to run it down our throats in that gap that's being left behind with Mustafa out for the year. Yeah, so hopefully yeah. this bodes well for the lions and the, the excellent linebacker play that we've been getting at it, getting out of Smith and Jacobs and Brooks. And like you said, or like we were talking about with their offensive line and having our, those nasty DNs get after them. So yeah. hopefully this is just catching Michigan at the right time, noon game. And hopefully we just get after them early and, and put them away. And Reed, you were saying you were Agreed. a little worried about the uh, their running game just completely pounding it down our throats all game. Yeah, just uh, you know, I think flashbacks to Illinois, God forbid. But that's that's gonna be, I think Gaddis. You know, it's he's taken a little bit of what he did at Penn State, Bama. I think he's kind of incorporated what Harbaugh liked to do at Stanford with like a pro style offense. But I, I think given the injuries, like the way they beat us has grind us down and, and run the ball. So I think Smith and Jacobs having big games, like if they, if those two come out and like are quick off on their first step, we hold them to two, two, three yards, you know, a carry make mm-hmm. them super one dimensional. I don't see us losing this game. Especially because their second leading receiver tight end, uh, Eric Owl, he limped off the field late in the game against Indiana and his status is unclear. So a lot of questions surrounding this Michigan offense, including 
the man behind center, Cade McAmore, yeah. who re-injured or re-aggravated an injury that popped up during the uh, Michigan State game. But watching that Michigan State game, I was actually I was pretty impressed by Cade McAmore. I'm not going to lie. He was making throws that I didn't think any Michigan quarterback could make like over the past 10 years, basically driving them down the field, getting them in a, into yeah. a position to, uh, to win that game possibly. Um, Reed, I don't know your feelings on Cade. I mean, you know, I think you're spot on, right? Like Michigan state was just coming out party before that. I'm like, this is your run of the mill, like Michigan quarterback, but like exactly. eh, decent. He'll win you eight games. Like, He's not going to take you further. Still kind of feel that way. He's not a world beater, but I think showing that, and I will say like East Lansing, that place was rocking. Like performance he put up was, was pretty damn good. Um, I I think Beaver stadium will be ready to go at noon. And I know we have the defense to take care of him, but um, you know, he's, he's not, I think he has what one turnover this year. He's not going to, beat himself or beat you know let Michigan like just get run over barring something crazy like I don't see him testing our secondary a lot I see like I could see a lot of short dink and dunks grind the clock this feels just overall like a 24 21 type game yeah and he's classic big 10 November football he's still unclear to play but most likely you're going to play. But um, their five-star freshman, J.J. McCarthy, who they sometimes bring in, like, goal line packages as a QB keeper specialist. I don't know if you've seen his uh, his picture. He looks like Zach Wilson's younger brother. That's even possible. <laughs> like, looks He's like, a taller, like, yeah. Literally, like, just graduated high school, which he did. But, like, yeah, yeah, Zach Wilson's younger brother, just an inch taller, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Like, I don't know. What would you put the odds? I, I guess we all college football is notoriously secretive about injuries. Mm-hmm. What do we think like the odds are McNamara plays? With the way the spread drops, like that's a massive drop off for just a run, like a running back on a tight end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like to go from seven to a pick them, your starting quarterback's probably not playing that game. Yeah. So bring on uh, little brother Wilson. I'm totally right. on the end back there. And Beaver's I'm all for it. shit his pants. I'd be very curious yeah. if and when the last time a freshman quarterback came in and won a Big Ten game at Beaver Stadium. Very good. It's probably somebody on Ohio State, I hate to say it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> You're definitely right. Probably, I was gonna say probably JT Barrett or. Yeah. So with the uh, with the injury to that tight end, their only other weapon on offense is Cornelius Johnson, who's a beast, six three, two eleven. Um, not a prolific route runner, but he just uses his body just to box out people, and make catches. He's a team high twenty seven receptions for four hundred forty nine yards and three touchdowns. So. I mean, nothing right home about, but still a threat to watch out for in the red zone for sure. Yeah, I think for them losing Ronnie Bell earlier in the year really hurt them with their yeah. passing impact too. Uh, that's just another 
key weapon that they, that went down for them. So again, another injury that Michigan's dealing with, but uh, I think they're definitely missing him big time. For sure. And then the last thing I want to say is besides Wisconsin, they haven't really faced like a, a premier defense. I would say defense that's in our tier, like in our mm-hmm. level, but against Michigan state, Michigan offensive linemen allowed 25 total pressures with seven QB hits on McNamara, but no sacks, surprisingly. He was knocked out of that game with an injury. And against Indiana last week, he was a bottom-tier pass rush, I would say. They got six pressures on him, a sack, and a QB hit. So they're allowing some pressure. And, like, Reed, like you said, if we can hold off their running game to just, like, two, three yards per carry, get them in third and longs, put it on McNamara and bring some pressure, I think we have a really good shot of putting away with a victory here. Completely. Especially with Michigan being limited in terms of like stretching the field. I'm so confident in our secondary in a, in a case like that. Yeah. I mean, we have four guys who can take care of business back there. You narrow it down to just a handful of playmakers. I like our odds. Thing I'm worried about, which is my key to the game, is the Lions offensive line versus this Michigan State defensive line. And Dave, I know you have some more about possibly two of the best edge rushers in the Big Ten, excluding uh, Arnold Abiquette. Of course. Yeah. You got to throw AK in that mix too. But uh, yeah, first first game in a while, or probably maybe the first game all year where we've really been going against one and now maybe even two premier defenders, maybe not just in the Big Ten, but in the country. Aiden Hutchinson is an absolute beast. Uh, 6'6, 265, seven sacks on the air. Uh, according to uh, PFF, 18.6% uh, pressure percentage ranks third in the country. So he knows how to get after the quarterback and get after him quick. Yeah. Um, and then his running mate, David Ojabo, uh, one of the really bursted onto the scene this year, 6'5", 250, third year sophomore. He's got eight sacks on the year and four fourth fumbles. So you're looking at two guys here. And again, I know I'd said I was looking at uh, Mel Kuyper's big draft board, which take it however you want, but both those guys find themselves in the top 10 of his early 2022 draft board. So two premier edge rushers coming off the corner against an offensive line uh, for the Lions that hasn't really found their sweet spot or consistency all year, which is is a huge concern coming into this game, knowing that you don't know how healthy Clifford is. Um, he's been able to create the last couple games, uh, but doesn't hasn't really shown that burst or ability to extend and use his legs to get some first down. So going to be a huge test rolling into this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, those two guys coming off the edge. Keaton. Keaton Wallace against either of those guys, I'm definitely afraid of. Like, I don't think he can, yeah. I don't think he can match up with either of those guys one on one. So, I think we might see a lot of tight end protection with uh, Strange. And then also, like, maybe Noah Kane or uh, Kevon Lee in the backfield with Pass uh, Pro. A lot of that. Because yeah. we can't just go, we can't just go five on four, to be honest, on their, uh, on their defensive line. It's just, they're just going to overpower us. 
you know, gonna gonna definitely yeah. have to try to find uh, ways to get Clifford some time to maybe to hit that big play over the top. Because also mm-hmm. as a defense, Michigan ranks number six right now in the nation in total defense, only allowing sixteen red zone opportunities on the entire season. So uh, gotta gotta hit them with a the big play. Uh, they yeah, don't they really allow teams. They only allow teams in the red zone sixteen times this whole season, this entire season. Sixteen dot sixteen times the entire season. Holy shit. So I think, I think, uh, honestly, like Parker Washington, he had, everyone knows had an incredible freshman campaign. I think he's so due for like a breakout game this year. And this feels like the perfect opportunity. Like we get him involved early, suddenly Michigan's, you know, playing on their heels a little bit. Um, this is a game I think, I think Parker Washington just puts up some numbers. Um, I think they're going to rightfully so focus on Dotson, um, shutting him down. So, you know, given, given how quickly Clifford's probably going to be under pressure, trying to find Washington in the slot and let him work his magic. That's, that's a key a, for me. That's a great, great call. Cause yeah, he's going to face pressure and Parker Washington is the screen guy. So yeah, got a couple screen plays to him, maybe a little crossing route over the middle, just quick hitters. Yeah. He makes guys miss his face. That's a that's a great we've ball. seen we've seen flashes of it this year. So I I and we we saw him all last year. Like he can do it. I think that's gotta be a big part of MY's game plan this this week. But um I'm excited. I I kind of I don't want to make like a bold prediction first time as a guest here, but Parker no, no, Washington, no. by all means, hundred plus yards, Welcome. like book it. Yeah, hundred plus yards, book it. All right, that's I'm good. feeling, I'm feeling aggressive. That's going, <laughs> that's going in the sports book. I will bet that. Don't you worry. I'm a lot. I don't know if you can bet on college player props, but <laughs> you can hear. <laughs> um. So what else? What's with the uh their secondary? Average. Uh, yeah, very average. Uh, nothing, nothing to write home about. Uh, yeah, have, have some some underclassmen back there, but uh, yeah, nothing, nothing really that should scare uh, this receiving core. Uh, I think, like Reed said, I think look for Parker to have a big game. Look for Keandre Lambert Smith in some key spots. Uh, he's had a very quiet, quiet, solid season for where he was last year, especially coming out and talking about his mental toughness. So I think to find him in some key spots, he saw Malik Mega out there last or last week rather. Uh, had a quick catch, uh, three yards, but looked to see him uh, possibly get involved a little bit more as well as they look to kind of prep and groom him. Looking ahead to next year, uh, with with Dotson yeah. or Dotson inevitably leaving and leaving another board there to see him kind of step up. He's finally healthy now after some early training camp injuries. So. Uh, like Reed said, big game, hopefully, from Washington. But I think those two guys as well should be able to kind of roam free in that secondary. Yeah, it's a great point, Dave. I mean, the the everything you read about Malik is like, this guy is a freak. And he's super young. Like, he's, yeah, you know, I, I could not – I could – I would love to see him explode this game. But, yeah, I think the future is super bright, like, beyond yeah. this week and this season even. Mm-hmm. So, Reed, one thing we try to figure out every single week is how do we get this running game going? <laughs> oh, 
I say the million dollar Lee. question. I say right? Keevan Lee every week. Like I'm just I'm a big fan of Keevan Lee. He had he, he does have a habit of just like running into blockers, which is a problem. Not seeing the hole correctly, but he can break off and break tackles and you know get some big games. Yep. I mean, he's uh, definitely RB one now, which is I, I was so bullish that we'd see a healthy hundred percent Noah can this year, and that yeah. just hasn't played out at all. Um, I mean, we we have to establish something, right? Like we can't go into a third and two and everyone in the world knowing we're going to pass the ball or like run a scramble. Like we have to get those tough yards. It's November. It's big time football. Mm -hmm. I think Lee, I think Lee is that guy. He, he seems to week over week make be making progress. And I think we're seeing like flashes here and there. Um, I think (laughs) it's uh, just, just a little documented. We don't have a single rush or ever hundred yards this season. Um, why not now with Lee? Another another claim. I think you know if you get over, there's, over there's no yard. way we lose. Yeah, at least let me go fifty on this. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Let's put it in. But yeah, but Lee just, is Lee is that dude. I think he's he's. I think he's guy. I mean, I think he's earned it. It's just the head scratcher, though. I mean, he was clearly the most effective runner last week. They continue to go with Kane. Not a huge disparity in carries, but Lee, I think it was 6.7 yards per carry. Kane still getting 10, getting the rock 10 times. Love it, still throwing in there. So even still across that room, the, the coaching staff, I don't know if they're missing it, they're, but they're, they don't seem to see a clear-cut guy who's emerged. Yeah. So it's, it's just – it's between that. Is it the scheme? Is it the run blocking? It's just a lot of questions that we may not, that we're not going to get answered this year. And you hope to have them answered for, for next year when you got the number one guy in the country coming in. So it's, it's, it's concerning, but I think for sure Lee's got to be the guy, but it's just, does the coaching staff see that and trust to give him the ball 15, 20 times to see if he can break a hundred. And I think it is a little bit of of a respect thing. Okay. You know, he's battled back. He's he's earned he's worked hard. He's earned his spot to be the lead back here. And he's not performing. And that's where like the Penn State like family knit unit kind of comes to bite you in the ass, where it's like you have this relationship with this running back who's put all the work in to get back to where he's supposed to be and he's not performing as well. It makes it that much more difficult to like, hey buddy, you're gonna take a step back to this younger freshman who's doing much better than you. It's couldn't agree more. It, it like sucks to to see play out because we all know Noah Kane from 2019 and like the breakout freshman year he had. Yeah, you know, gets hurt and seems to have put on 10, 20 pounds and is just like a half step too slow right now. Yeah, um, to be like an effective back, and I I hope that changes, but it's he's he just feels like a work in progress right now that said you know i think you go on like the boards on 24 7 and people are like roasting and it's like let's not forget this guy was like i he was the freshman all-american if not like second team freshman all-america like oh, yeah. 2019 like the skill he's got all the skills i just don't know where his health is like if he's how serious that foot injury was and how much that's affecting him yeah, so let's move on to our score prediction for this game. Over-unders 48 and a half. 
Uh, like we said, it's probably going to be a pick at the end of the day. Uh, this is recorded on Wednesday. Um, Reed, honorable guest, why don't you go first? Okay, let's go. Um, I am going to go <clears throat> Penn State 27-20 victory. Right I under. think we, right. yep, just on, <laughs> I think just under, I think we get enough of Sean Clifford. I think I'm still sticking with Parker Washington being like, while, you know, I think Michigan's focus is going to be passing game wise, it's going to be dots and through and through. I think Washington, um, maybe Theo Johnson, maybe a few of those tight ends. Maybe we go back to the Wildcat. They're just going to be a couple plays. And I am... Dave's not a fan of the... Uh, please, no more Wildcat. <laughs> Wildcat anymore. I mean, I, I loved it against it. Auburn. It was great it at first, but Tyler Warren should not be carrying the rock anymore. <laughs> Fair. But we'll he talk said, Sunday. When he, when, he has, when he has one rushing touchdown for, for four <laughs> yards. and I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. I'll come back around. But, yeah, I think... End of day, like, yeah, 27-20, and I think consistent to the year that we've seen, our defense bends and just does not break at all in the red zone. Yeah, I like that. Um, Dave, why don't you go next? I got the lines 21-14. You fucker. I was literally about (laughs) to say that. I was literally about to say the exact same score. I like I like the under here. I like the under here. I think Michigan gets a chance late to punch this one in to tie it. Yeah. And like Reed said, I think the defense holds strong, but I think this, I think this one comes down to the wire. I think both defenses get after it. And it's a it's a tight, low scoring noon Big Ten affair. Mm-hmm. But I think I think our defense comes out on top here. Yeah, I'm gonna get so I'm gonna go 21-17. give them an extra field goal, then don't break in the red zone. Um, I think Parker Washington has a touchdown in this game. I hope Kevon Lee has a touchdown in this game. And then I'm hoping the third one honestly comes from like a defensive turnover, possibly setting us up in the red zone for whoever to score. But I think it's honestly going to come down to whichever defense either makes the big turnover in the second half or whichever offense can control the clock in the fourth quarter and kind of have that last possession as the game winds down. So, yeah, I'm going to go 20, 21-17. And, Reed, don't think we're going to let you off the hook this easy. It is now time for some Penn State trivia as the Croatian Bear has an absolute doozy for you. (laughs) I'm so fucked. Uh, I'm not going to lie, you are fucked. But I, I have a phone friend option, right? Um, you can't phone me. Well, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I thought I had a loophole. You, can, you have a phone I've a got like two people on speed dial who know Penn State football. Phone a friend and Anywhere hint. close to you two. So. so you can use both. You can use your phone a friend and a hint. Just because, yeah. Okay. It's a doozy. All right, Dave. Or Dave. I'll just get, or I'll just, after all this, I'll just get it right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's best case scenario. Uh, again, sorry to do this to your brother. Uh, <laughs> consider your christening uh, for Whiteout Weekly. So 
your question is in 2006, Penn State defeated Florida State in the Orange Bowl in three OTs, 26 23, in an absolute classic. Question is who was Penn State's leading rusher in that game? I'm going to go with Michael Robb. Oh, God. That feels way too. It can't be. Oh, boy. That's a, that's fucking hard. Two lifelines. Two lifelines. Um. Okay. Uh, who? Want a hint? I kind of do. Hit with a hint. All right. So your hint is this rusher was a true freshman at the time this game was played. Finished with twenty six carries, hundred ten yards, two touchdowns. Oof. I am I'm fucked. This is this is where it's like okay, 2010 Penn State football on, like pretty much know the roster, but didn't didn't grow up a Penn State fan in Maryland. So um shit, I might have to phone a friend. We'll see if he picks up. Who are you gonna call? Uh my buddy Matt Miles, who is Active on the 24-7 boards, nonstop. Penn State diehard. Let's let's give him a quick ring. The board's also as much entertaining as anything. Just like you can imagine. Like people, you know, so the other day somebody posted a flight path. Somebody was flying from like Baton Rouge to State College. 99% chance it had nothing to do with college sports. Like the LSU private plane is in state college. So. Yeah. yeah. You watch the flight patterns are out of control. Those people They're are not. Like, we're, yeah. yeah. Like I think we're all like diehard. I know we are diehard Penn State fans, but yeah, the flight, the flight path followers are like oh, the fucking QAnon side of, of like <laughs> being a college football fan those people are fucking out of their minds yeah and have way too much time yeah yeah it's uh, not looking good uh, uh, <laughs> oh no Uh-oh. okay um you can try another you can try another uh another friend all right, I'm actually going to try my buddy who is a diehard Florida State fan. Oh. And was in college at the time. Oh. So, a ringer. Right. Bringing a ringer into the mix. Yeah, and I'm going to, he works at Snap with me. So I'm going to have right. to, like, I'm going to have to snap him and see if he can't do the, do the FaceTime that way. <laughs> if, he um, pull, if he pulls this, I'll be so impressed. I mean, he might because sounds like I don't know. Kind of sounds like it was a shit. Actually, he was at that game too. Let's see. Where's his fucking Snapchat? Exhausting all of his resources. (laughs) I'm just so fucked. (laughs) No, I, I, I honestly had no idea who it was. What were you gonna say about Dixon's wedding? Oh well. Lovely wedding, but I will say vibes down from the Penn State crowd. That mm. was tough to walk from the open heart surgery without anesthesia of a game against Illinois straight to a wedding ceremony. We have to just be like, I'm so, and I was like, I fucking love 
him and Lindsay, but like, yeah. you show up to a wedding in the fall, like on a college football Saturday, 50, 50 chance you're coming in really depressed. And, <laughs> and I think, you know, where we were there. Um, it's why I, I would never ever schedule my wedding over a Saturday in the fall. Yeah, I think yeah. there's like four pockets in the year. You do it like after the Super Bowl before like baseball really picks up. I don't know. It's just me. But I, I agree. I agree. I've been yeah, to it was two, a lovely wedding. Been to two on uh college football Saturdays. It's been it's been tough. Um well I've not heard back from from my buddy, but I think I do know that that was that bowl game featured the two winningest two most wins between head coaches probably ever with mm-hmm. Baden and Paterno. We'll give you a half so, point for that. We'll so I can, for that. but yeah, I'm, I mean, I want to go with Robinson. I, I can't remember who our, wait. Oh no, no. What's his name? He played for the Redskins for a little bit. He might have been younger than that. Uh, I think you're thinking of Royster. I am. It wasn't having a Royster. That's, I guess, my last. Like, I don't even think he was on the roster at that point. He was a little later. Dave was giving the uh, the answer. It's my best. Answer is Austin Scott. Right? Yeah, I never would have gotten that. Okay, yeah, that makes that me feel better. One. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. I said. <laughs> Get a prospering career uh, that fizzled out with some off the field allegations. So. Nothing ever transpired, but monster orange bowl for Austin. But that was a tough one. That was the peak. That was the peak. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're if that your buddy who was at that game <laughs> answered, he might have maybe, maybe that, right? just text him the question, see if you get it. Yeah, <laughs> I will. This. All right. Well, read Soldier Boy Kellum. Boys, um, appreciate we'll put his appreciate letter, the invite. His handles on social below, so you can go follow him. Uh, Penn State fan, unfortunately, Boston Red Sox fan, uh, which absolutely sucks. <laughs> also, a Capitals fan, I believe. Eh, it's dude, it's it's Penn State football and it's the Red Sox. My heart can only take so much. I can, I can respect <laughs> that. I can respect that. It's, I'm a Pats fan too, but nothing compares to like Penn State. Yeah. So, appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, keep man. up the great work. You guys keep Thank me you. sane, listening each Thank week. You. And, um, you know, why not run the table? That's my parting thoughts. Like, glass half full, let's run the table. Why not? And let's, let's – I'll see you boys in L.A. in uh, January for the Orange Bowl. For the game. We were talking about the Orange Bowl for the Rose Bowl. <laughs> the Rose Bowl, baby. That would be absolutely sick. Reed, thank you so much for joining us. Our first ever guest on Whiteout Weekly that will be etched in the record books forever. You will hold that title to the day you die. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate all the kind words, man. Love it, boys. Let's go state. Let's go state. Go state, baby. Let's go. See you, boys. It is week 11 of the Big Ten betting bonanza. And I got a couple uh, housekeeping notes here. I finally tallied our win-loss record for the year. At 30 games, Dave, the Croatian Bear, is 20 and 10. Woo! Is, that's 
professional level gambling right there. That's <laughs> insane. 20 and 10 and 30 games. Oh, oh man. Um, I am 15 and 15, which is right where a square should be. 500. <laughs> Giving my juice to the casino. That's about it. Walking away. Right about with, where my normal betting is. Walking away with a what if <laughs> attitude and just a couple swings here and there. But the big thing that has separated us, I'm up 20 points in the Big Ten betting bonanza system, uh, 20 to 18 points because of the money line. Mm. Call me money line Matt, if you will. <laughs> I'm five and one picking money line games while Dave's one and three. So that's kind of where the his record's better than mine. But since I've been picking money lines like a fucking hero. <laughs> That's why I'm going to call your shot, Matt. That's why I'm winning 28. (laughs) So we're on to week 11. And Dave, I'll give you the honors of going first. We both went one and two last week. Both were on Rutgers. Um, Don't want to talk about that. Rutgers money line, baby. We're not talking about it. Uh, Wow. <laughs> Northwestern, you covered plus 12. That was a disastrous game. Uh, and you hit on Michigan State. I know you lost Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, that was bad. Catchy lines prevailed. So I lost Rutgers, uh, lost Minnesota, rode the boat one too many times as they lost outright to Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Just keep stabbing me in the heart, why don't you? Like, come on. <laughs> and then the only thing I had was Purdue first half money line, which good for me, but we're only going to uh, count that as one point because it was a first half bet, not a full game. So on to week 11. Who do you have? So last couple of weeks, I've been fading these guys a little bit, and I'm finally going to – flip the script on them and ride with them. So I'm going to take whiskey minus 20 minus 25 against Wildcats. Wisconsin's big line for big 10 game, but I, I like the way Wisconsin's playing both defensively and Graham Mertz is coming a little bit into his own. Um, Like I've said along my Northwestern season long bets kind of down the tubes now. So I'm, I'm riding whiskey here. Minus 25. There's, smacked rucker so yeah and they're gonna be in, at randall northwestern yeah Mo- could be a little too many points for them but yeah over over under is 41 yeah so it's good so you're betting on a wisconsin just well out just a shutout yeah i don't have anything on that game um but i'm going to Row the boat one final <laughs> time. Minnesota plus five and a half at number 20 Iowa coming off of bye. I'm taking Minnesota <laughs> money line, baby. The last time I rode the boat. In this sense, you should have the uh the shirt and tie with the little quarter zip over top like PJ. Uh, no, I will never <laughs> dress up as another head coach. <laughs> But um, I will say this, if Minnesota fucks me this week, I will never bet on them again for the rest of the season. So, that being said, that boat's, Minnesota – going down line, the river with no one in it. Okay. 
I think they're plus 170 is their money line at plus five and a half. Yeah. So yeah. Good ROI if you put it in a little little twenty dollar bet on there. Yeah, yeah, I might I might I might tell that. All right. Um, so for yeah. Pick number two. I am gonna boiler up. Plus twenty, Ohio State. Ooh. I took Ohio State last week against Nebraska. They fucked me. So I'm done with them. I think Purdue hangs tough in this one. Maybe even lose by two scores, but I'll take that this week in a week where they're plus 20. So I'm, yeah. I'm going with the Boilermakers. Purdue's a very interesting team this year. Very interesting team. However, I'm going to take – I do like that you took the full game because I'm going to take Ohio State first half minus 10 and a half. Oh. Um, okay. I just think there's something about the horseshoe – opposed teams coming in there. Ohio State just seems to always start fast and just pounce on teams there. And then the other team kind of figures it out at either at halftime or maybe adjustments in the second quarter and starts to chip away. But it just seems like they always cover in the first half. Yeah. Um, although I have lost two bets on them in the first half. So maybe want to rethink that, but sticking <laughs> with it, Ohio State minus 10 and a half first half bet. Like it. And your final. Final pick. I am going to go to Happy Valley for this one. I like the under in this game. I am going to take under 48 and a half. Mm-hmm. Going back to my score prediction, 21-14. I like it somewhere in that range. I think both defenses come to play. And I like a good old-fashioned uh, Big Ten slobber knocker. Yeah. Nice. I think it's going to be Michigan trying to bleed the clock as much as possible. Um, Penn State obviously trying to do the same. There's going to be obviously sacks on both sides. So that's going to bleed some more clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that underpick a lot. Been, uh, yeah, I do. Because they're going to, they're really going to focus on John, even though their secondary is not that great. Yeah. Yeah. I like that pick. Um, so for my third and final bet, I'm going to go with, again, fade myself for the season, Maryland, talking them up. Actually, they're not a bad team. They have talent. It's just raw talent. They're just yeah. not, they just don't have the, the schemes all together, guys fitting their roles in the schemes. So I'm going to go Sparty. Uh, minus 13 against Maryland at home. I think after that loss to Purdue, they're going to bounce back and just absolutely obliterate the Terrapins. Uh, yeah, I would hate to be a Maryland fan this week because I think Sparty's out for revenge after that Purdue loss. Yeah, I think it sets up nicely for a good bounce back game for them, and uh, especially at home to to kind of come back after a tough, heartbreaking loss and take care of business yeah and i was going to take first half again on that but it is wednesday so there are 13 14 more victory gets me that mm-hmm. plus one so that will be it for week 11 of the big 10 betting bonanza um again you can sign up on the parks sportsbook app using promo code whiteout and tell any of our bets we've Obviously, gone over it. Dave's pretty fucking good at Big Ten betting. He's 20 and 10. Might want to tell some of his picks. 
I want to fade some of mine. You never know. But use that code WHITEOUT and you get a risk-free bet up to $500 on the Parks Sportsbook app. It's a no-brainer. Code WHITEOUT, risk-free bet. Have some fun on Saturday. Thank you guys again for joining us on another episode of Whiteout Weekly. We love you. And let's go state, baby. Let's go Nets, baby.